Welcome back, everybody. If you haven't checked out the last episode, Henry Scott from Scott Game Sounds joined us. Oh, hi. Check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, and yeah, welcome again, Henry. Thank you for having me again, Ryan. I, I just want to acknowledge chat real quick. Kai Jones, what's up? Thanks for joining in. Yeah, he uh, just said, when mixing an EP, I got told to make the mix more like a Buddhist monastery. <laughs> <laughs> What? Oh, oh, we're talking about like the probably like the reverb, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I, don't know. I ran into, I met Kai um, on Saturday because um, we both went to a, a audio meetup in London, uh, and we were sharing these stories. Like the same topic came up about how some people, you know, they refer to what they want to hear in different terminology, um, and yeah, I remember him telling me that story. I forget what we concluded from it, like what they were after in the end. But just imagine that, like a Buddhist monastery. <laughs> it's like, well, I've never been to one. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, that's just like the kind of visual imagery that like comes to people's minds sometimes. And it's weird too, because like I've I've made sounds before that weren't perfect, and people were able to tell me what they felt and like how it seemed, and I could see what they meant in their head sometimes when they explain it well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I made a T Rex roar. Uh, the one that we did on for the monster sound video was pretty much the same exact one, um, but the when I made that T-Rex roar, like, probably like three or four years ago, something like that. But when I made that sound initially, the voice of the T-Rex and, like, the guttural, like, lion and alligator sounds that came from it, they, they sounded like it was two different creatures. Yes. And mm. when you're so close to, like, your own creation, it's it's hard to, like, to see what's wrong with it. And they were able to say that, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, you're 100% right about that. I had that same problem back when I was doing that D&D podcast. One of the first really complicated sounds that I did end up having to make. I didn't record anything for it, but I like a lot of really tough layering. Because I tried to make, it was a stone elemental that had been basically killed. And so I had to like make this crumbling rock screaming monster kind of sound. And I haven't heard it since I did it. I think at the time it was pretty, it was pretty good, but... It sort of led me to another interesting problem of making sounds like that without any visual representation because I recognized it suddenly became very clear how much more you can get away with if you have an animation or something visual to attach to your sound because then you're just telling somebody what this thing sounds like rather than making a sound and having them interpret what it looks like or what it's doing based on that. That's fair. Oh, you find it easier, do you mean, if you have an animation to work with? Or yes, I think that you have more leeway in terms of what it can be without it sounding mm. like what it is. I think you're right. If you think about, like, the Three Stooges, for example, the sound of them poking each other in the eyes was always just, like, a single string on a, on a ukulele. Like, blink, and that was it. Yeah. But it's like, you never would think that because that's not what that is. That's the sound of someone getting their eye poked, and it's like, if you heard it by itself, it wouldn't have that attached to it in any way. You'd just be like, well, that's just a ukulele note. But it disappears when you attach it to something else. Right. It's one of the things that, because I think I recognized this originally in voiceover, like with the cast of The Simpsons, for example, where you've got you know, one person doing five voices, and a lot of them are really, really similar. But you put them behind two completely different characters, and that problem disappears. It's just two different people. Interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. See, originally in my mind, I was I was thinking that uh, because there's more visual information for someone to digest, mm-hmm. there that attaching sounds to it, or at least at the very least convincing them that the sound you've created is attached to that animation or image or whatever, 
is harder because now that because they've got more information, they can kind of make more of a judgment, I suppose. They have a better idea in their mind as to what they expect to hear. That's a, that's um, a good point, too. And I, and I can see how that would also be true, especially if you have like if the animation has a bunch of different parts, like you're going to want to make this fire sound, but you'll also want to make the sound of all the little pieces floating up off the top of it and having these little flourishes and extra detail to match what you're seeing. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if maybe those are two different things. One thing that I talk about a lot when I, whenever I work on a game project is um, the animator and the sound designer one upping each other a lot. Mm. Anytime that I work on a game, my goal when I make a sound for an animation is to make it make it so the animator has to do more work. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> seriously, because if I make a sound that's better than their animation and the sounds that I do like make it more detailed and their animation doesn't match up to that, then they're going to want to add some animations to that. And then I, at that point, I'm hoping that they're going to try and one-up me. Mm -hmm. Then like at that point, we're just making a really awesome like animation sound combo together. So you're adding sounds to an animation that aren't there? Is that oh, what oh no, sorry. For... Somebody, it, it well, actually, it depends sometimes. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, we just had this conversation recently where you said that it, you know, because I had asked about which one comes first, the animation or the sound, and you said that it really does depend. It, sometimes the sound comes first, and you'll get better animations as a result, and sometimes the opposite's true. Yeah, like we, uh, the, the game I worked on a while ago, um, I had to make a bunch of dinosaur sounds for it. Um, and that's where the T-Rex roar and all this, why I know how to make good creature sounds now, because I made terrible ones for a long time. Um, <laughs> but um, for a monster sound or a creature roar, for example, having the audio lead is so much more important than having the animation lead in terms of like the realism that you're trying to convey in the scene. Because if, I, if I'm going to make a T-Rex roar, I want to have like a really like fast uh, attack on the envelope. And have like maybe like a deep impact along with the roar itself, and the alligator and the lion underneath it, or and the and the elephant for like the main voice. But there are like small details in that where I have to sort of make micro changes to the envelope of the voice, for example. Whereas if it's an animation, you can look at it and say, "Oh yeah, that looks fine." But as soon as you add sound to an animation like that, it actually sounds really bad. Like, because the animation wasn't built to tell an aggressive story that a T-Rex might tell with its voice. It's it's weird. It's it's a very, like, weird thing to explain. But the T-Rex one is probably the best one I can really say. Because in, t in terms of, like, matching realism of the sound to the realism of the animation. Because sometimes the animation just doesn't cut it enough. And sound has to have a lot more attention to detail than animation does. My argument for that is 48,000 or samples per second versus 24 frames per second. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. No, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I think that there, there is, like, two different arguments for that because, like, with sound design or audio, you only have two channels where with visuals you have 1920 by 1080 pixels to deal with. Like, you can make that same argument as opposed to, like, the frames, you know? But I think that it just kind of depends. Like, in terms of pacing of your story, I feel like sound takes precedent. Hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like with animation and sound, like they, they just have their strengths, you know, and that's why you have both of them exist mm -hmm. together in a medium. It has nothing to do with like one being better than another, or like one being harder, or one more detailed, or more. I think it's also very, very context-based in terms of you know how much. Well, actually, saying that, I was about to say, I think it's very context-based depending on the game you're making sounds and animation for, 
and its style and stuff will determine how much detail you want to portray through both sound and animation. But then I was thinking, that if you're making, say, I don't know, an animation for a man running in a triple in a 3D AAA, you know, well, I suppose they mocap most of it nowadays. But let's just say, you know, you're making an animation for what's meant to be a semi-realistic game, as opposed to say like a a 2D um, pixel art platformer. Obviously, both need detail, and they need detail in different ways. But when it comes to sound, like you could kind of tackle it in terms of detail in the same way. Like you can add just as much detail into that 2D pixel art as you can with the 3D model. In fact, that probably helps sell, not the believability, but I suppose help immerse the listener slash player if there is more detail added on top of this simple um, animation. Yeah. Ideally, we need a, we need someone, we need an animator in here to kind of counter argue all this stuff. That'd be handy, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're just we're just three biased sound we're designers. Biased. Like, oh yeah, sounds more important. Oh, <laughs> I will say, I have a friend who's an animator, and I was talking to her about something like this once, because I was talking about how a lot of times to practice sound, people will you know pull an animation, tear the sound out of it, and put their own in. And she said, well, that's actually really funny because a lot of animators will do the same thing in the opposite direction. Where <laughs> they pull down an animation, rip the uh, visuals off, and reanimate the sounds that they, they hear. And That makes sense. Yeah, no, shit. I really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. There you go. From the, uh, from the mouth there of an animator. There you go. <laughs> we were talking about this recently, I think, too. I forget who I was talking to about it, but like, I've, I've heard animators say like, there's just a certain satisfaction when you're making an animation reel where adding sound to finish up the animation elevates it. It comes to life, yeah, I imagine. It comes to life, yeah. yeah. They are one and the same. But to go back to what you said about how it's 1080 by 1920, whatever, versus channels or whatever, if you were to expand that and say, well, with your eyes, you can only see what's in front of you, but with your ears, you can hear the entirety of what's going on 360 around your head. And it's always different depending on where it's from. And that's an interesting piece of the puzzle. Again, I suppose that depends on the game as well, doesn't it? Um, yeah, for sure. Sorry to interrupt. We just got a, a server boost from uh, Warped Biotic. I, I just want to give that a shout out because uh, that's actually really, really cool of him to do. What does that do for us? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, he gave us two boosts. Oh, oh wow. What's the server um, boost? I don't know what that is either. Let's save our heart emojis for when we find yeah, out yeah, what Yeah, he's <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, uh, your, <laughs> your Discord will be uh, destroyed in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. I assume it's something good, so thank you so much, uh, Warp Biotic. Ah, uh, yes, the Nitro. Oh, okay, cool. I assume it's like when you boost yourself on a dating profile and then nobody looks at you even more. and then you Right, feel so worse. no one's, we're going to get no exposure <laughs> out of this. Um, Either way, Warped, whatever you've just done for this, uh, we really appreciate it. Much love. Yes. Mwah. Yes. Thank, you, there you, thank go. you so much. We love you very much. Perfect. That's, that's great. <laughs> as, as long as it doesn't destroy us, uh, we love you. Anywho, all that stuff aside, I came to this conclusion kind of recently. Um, if you haven't explored something, you're ignoring it, and it's kind of like if i've never used an eq before if i've never used a compressor or if i've never recorded with a microphone before there's a whole other world that i'm not understanding with my sound recordings or an art form and i think that's a big reason why your channel especially since you're so focused on like fmod and unity um you're showing off a whole other world of like what sound can do in a video game and i think that helps elevate a lot of sound designers in terms of what they can learn um, and what kind of value they can bring to a game development team. That's the beauty of it, really. Like, that's, I don't know about you, Ryan, or you, uh, Chris, but like. It's Mike, actually, but. <laughs> 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 uh, 
sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I can't wait for him to say one thing without being interrupted by us. Uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> all I was going to say is, um, I assume this is the same for you. Like, because we could, we could all, if we wanted to, do sound design as well or TV and film. But I love doing it for games because of that interactive element. Like, like you could, just, and again, this is, I suppose, why I also do the F mod stuff and show people how they can make link their own audio up. Because you can get so creative, not just with the sounds you create, but how they're heard, how they respond and react with each other. Like that's something that I really kind of want to do more of, encourage and do on the channel. Sometimes I feel like it gets a bit down the rabbit hole of like this is, how do I explain it? I suppose more more theoretical, which is good, but I want to, with the whole channel, encourage people to not just make sounds, but think about the design aspect of those sounds, how they're going to be heard and work with each other because it's great that's how i think you in terms of audio anyway you elevate a simple sounding game to a great sounding game is make it respond in as many ways as possible to what's going on both in the game and how the player is playing the game yeah i, I agree with that what's the best game that you've ever played with bad sound with bad sound <laughs> best game with bad sound I, I don't like I don't like answering this question anymore. Uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what <laughs> you um, have to come up with a different answer than you usually have. Someone highlighted this I, I to, to me recently, and I never noticed it until they did. Back when, um, like, I used I used to be really into Call of Duty, right? Which I think everyone everyone went through a Call of Duty phase, right? Oh sure. Um, the games, like the ones I was really into, was Modern Warfare Two and Black Ops. Uh, and someone highlighted to me recently that the sound design in Black Ops. It's not necessarily bad, but it's very repetitive. Like they, they overuse a lot of sounds, and I never noticed it until they mentioned it, played it, and I can 100% understand what they're saying. So, like for example, there's about four or five shotguns in the game, but they all maybe one's different, but most of them use just the same. It might not be a sample. It might be what we talked about earlier, where you kind of combine samples with original material, but it's the same sound nonetheless. It's just overusing it. Uh -huh. um, Another example is the grenades. You just hear, so the frag grenades have an explosion sound, but that explosion sound is used a lot throughout the game. Um, and in a way it's good because it makes the, it makes those sounds very iconic. You hear these specific sounds, specific explosions, and you think your mind goes to Black Ops 1, right? So I guess that's a perk of it. But at the same time, you could argue that the variety kind of might pull someone out of it. Like I said, I didn't actually notice this because I hadn't played it in years. I didn't notice this when I was playing it when I was younger. But someone obviously did, and they brought it to my attention. And, like, I suppose you could argue that is bad sound design. There's not enough variety. Yeah. And, it's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a soft question. Like, the thing that makes me think of this question is, in Final Fantasy Thirteen, which I don't think anybody's going to argue has bad sound, there's definitely one sequence where, uh, I think it's like a whole building falls down, or there's a, there's a big crumbling rock-falling section that has absolutely no weight to it whatsoever. Right. To the point where I recognized that that was true and was very um, surprised by it. The surround work in that game is top shelf. As good as it gets. But the, like, the fidelity, like the heft of things like that is really flat and thin. And I th always thought that that was very strange for a game of That's that That's interesting, size. yeah. So I suppose, yeah, the, the individual sounds there, they kind of need a bit of rework. Yeah, okay. I've not played Final Fantasy Thirteen. Um, I love it. It's a great game, but I always recognized that about it, and I thought it was very strange. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. And back and back to your point, I love I love bringing that kind of thing 
to people's attention um, most recently and the most fun that oh, I've had you, with You're it. enjoying ruining people's film and game <laughs> experiences. <laughs> well, so yes. Spoiling their yes. It's a lot of fun. Well, because it's like, I, you know, I have to live with this burden. I will not live in this pit alone. In Jurassic Park, the, the sequence where the truck falls out of the tree and then it falls, you know, it hits the ground, falls forward and traps them underneath it. And the kid says, well, here we are back in the car again. And then Alan Grant says, well, at least we're not in the tree. And but that when you listen to that, that sounds like it was recorded in like an allotment shed. Like it is just it's full of reverb and it's super reflecting. It doesn't sound anything at all like the inside of a car, even if it's one that's been destroyed. And I told a friend of mine that recently and now he's ruined and he is ruined forever. And it <laughs> pleases. Oh, me. And no. it's still one of my very favorite movies of all time. Yeah. He's like, well, this is it. I cannot unhear this problem. <laughs> oh, that's so it's like, funny. The, it's like the Wilhelm scream, isn't it? Like once you recognize yes, it. Yes, exactly. Especially for sound designers. Like, it immediately ruins the experience as soon as you hear it. You go, oh, <laughs> no. It's kind of like that, isn't it? And that factory gate squeak and the yeah. children laughing and the car breaking down. <laughs> like we all know exactly all these sounds. You hear them every time. Like, the cat. Oh. Like a that song that gets used for every yeah. time. Yeah, and then the yeah, and it's like a trash can from like 1958 <laughs> falls down in an alley somewhere. The same uh, tire screech sound has been used for years as well. Oh my god, it's so it so has. And sometimes I see it in like when it's raining, when it's snowing, like in the desert. <laughs> like, you guys are killing me with this. One thing I thought recently, I heard those those damn children that have been giggling the same way for 25 years, and I thought, those kids are probably, like, they probably have yeah. their own giggly bastard kids at this point. Like, the kids that recorded that, I always think it, <laughs> that episode of The Simpsons where Marge has that poster with a cat hanging from a rope that says, hang in there, baby. And she goes, copyright 1977. <sighs> Determined or not, that cat is long dead. <laughs> I think about that all the time. <laughs> really I tell you what, there's a PAX panel for us to consider is just have a half an hour of everybody's favorite stuff ruined by a single piece of bad <laughs> Dude, something. That's a, that's a hilarious idea. Isn't that hilarious? hilarious. I, I'm going to hold on to that. Don't anybody here take that. Pat and pen. Yeah, I mean, you can just cut that out of the archive. Only the people that are listening to this. Are... <laughs> yes. I know some people that would love to be a part of that. Um, we ruin movies for you, or we ruin games yeah. for you. Like the people... Ru Ruining your favorite The thing. title will catch people 100%, but will people yep. actually go to it? Mm. <laughs> yes. People people that are creative will love to go. Yeah, you get people who are intrigued enough to visit that. Oh, I wonder how they're going to ruin it. Or at the very least, they rolled up their shirt sleeves and they're ready to go fight somebody who thinks their favorite thing and is going to be, you know, oh, dare you ruin this? And then you tell them, like, oh, oh yeah, we just have to take best. like the 50 best movies, or not 50. We could probably fit like 15 movies in there, I'd say, maybe. Depending on like what the audience interaction is. Yeah, it could be like, you can't unsee this, you can't unhear this. <laughs> So I, I have a lot of friends that are like that too, that know that I do sound design and they're just like, oh yeah, I'm paying attention a lot to sounds now. And, uh, yep. Same. It, it makes a difference now for me for like how I, uh, how I enjoy movies to a degree. Yeah. That's interesting. If I just annoy everyone, if I'm watching a film with someone oh god, and I'll go, well, that's clearly a reversed smooth. So they did this. I just go, oh, shut up. Like don't ruin it for the rest of us. I would never be that guy. I can't stand talking in movies. And that's, it's like when you get to the end of like a, some suspense thing and they go, Oh, I knew it right away. Like, get the fuck out of my house with that. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to hear from you. You know, you tell me at the end of the movie you knew the whole time it was going to do that. Yeah, I bet. Tell me at the That's beginning. So funny. Well, it sounds like we're all out of stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait. I want Let's talk about your course a little bit. 
Henry. Yeah, let's do some. Yeah, something useful. But yeah, let's have you talk for us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How? What's your What's your process for like recording and like prep and all that? Because our stuff for the game audio training series is fairly improvised, I would say. Um, and we record a lot of it in bulk as much as we can for like two or three hour sprints, something like that. Is Is that like something similar to what you do for your course material or? Uh... With the uh, with the YouTube stuff, it's somewhat improvised. Like I'm, I'll know what I want to say. I'll have things set up, ready to show off. Sure. Um, but I won't use the scripts. I'll just sort of talk about it. But with the videos on the course, I felt because I wanted to make all the points I wanted to make as clearly as possible, give as much value, and you know, is is a paid for course. I was a bit concerned that if I just spoke, that might not only might some messages or ideas not get communicated as effectively as they could, but I might also make them a bit longer, like the videos a bit longer than they need to be, and I don't want to waste anyone's time. So with those, um, everything's kind of scripted and planned out, um, which is nice because it means I can kind of, I can splice in presentations and stuff and little slideshows explaining visually how some of the, the code works behind FMOD and Unity, as well as, you know, playing it back to them so they can hear. So I suppose, I suppose in general, I use a bit of both, but with the course, it's all kind of planned out and structured. Okay, nice. You probably have created a session before you like a, a Unity and FMOD session that is already complete and you've gone through it all already once. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, with the YouTube stuff, that's kind of what I do. It's all completed, I just explain it. Uh, with the course, it's all completed, but I don't just I'll start again and then sure. actually go through the steps because I've kind of written them down and I've made a script. So I know what to do. I kind of say, right, step one, this is step two, this is step three. What's well, a shame? It like that. I like that. I like doing that because it kind of almost guarantees you're going to communicate your points very clearly but at the same time with improvising and kind of just yeah talking from your experience um you lose a bit of and not that this is the most important thing in the world but you lose a bit of entertainment do you think that's important when learning is to at a level beyond just the stuff you know the points you're trying to teach is that you find a way to engage people so that they are enjoying it because you know that, that's going to help the information stick a bit more so, you know, there's perks to using both. Um, I was actually checking out the course, your game audio training series, Ryan, and yeah, like you said, it's kind of improvised, but it's improvised, but it's a very clean improvisation. That, that's that's Chris's doing, but. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> God, I need my own Chris. I need an editor. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. How about I get a Chris and you get a mic? Is that, is that fair? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll be whoever you want for money. <laughs> I'll get Mike and Chris mixed up. Oh, uh, uh, wait. Oh, I was supposed to have Chris this week. <laughs> oh, can I borrow your Chris? No, but I've got Mike. Oh, so where's Chris? I have to do that thing where it's like Mrs. Doubtfire, where I'm like, pretend, <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's in the bathroom. Let me go get him and then swap rooms. And <laughs> he was just here. I'm like panicking behind my computer. Exactly. Oh, come on, edit this. <laughs> and then he's like, and Mrs. Doubtfire, help is on the way, laddie. And he's like sprinting over exactly. the table. Exactly. Going over to edit the video. Oh, yeah, no, that'd be great. What's up, Brian? And what's up, Carlos? How you doing? Hi Brian, hi Carlos. The um, I'll do a weekly call with um, the uh, Game Audio Training Series Plus subscribers. But we'll we'll do a call every week, and like sometimes we'll talk about like course material and the Game Audio Training Series. And uh, one of the members said that they would be interested in like seeing our process as if we didn't have never seen a game before, um, because ultimately from our perspective, it's like to to make something hands off for a game developer. It's really nice to be able to show off your problem solving mindset. And I don't think you can script that. Like, there's no way that you can possibly script you problem solving something because otherwise it's not problem solving at that point. It's just you pretending to problem solve. And sometimes there is like a, I can do a step-by-step -step breakdown process for certain things, but 
every single game that you run into is going to have a different approach to how the game is being made. Mm. Chris is running into that right now with a project we're working on where uh, Unity obviously has a lot of custom components that you can build out yourself um, to create a bunch of dynamic coding systems and whatnot uh, exclusive for your game. Sometimes you just have to figure it out and sometimes you have to ask what's going on. I feel like the improvised method does have benefits as well if you're trying to show off like the problem solving side of things. If you're jumping into a project, you are improvising in a sense. You've got the you've got the tools and the experience, but you've got to use that in a new context, and that's gonna that's gonna throw different challenges in. And that is something. So we, yeah, with the course, um, we do a lot of um, we focus on the 3D game kit that you can download in Unity for free. Uh, and using that, I kind of talk about the main lines of code, main tools, I suppose that Fbro provides for you to implement your audio. And I'm, pl I'm planning on adding some new content to the course for this reason. I want to look at games outside of that and kind of like you said, how you just, just in a call, you'll just work on something. You'll just take an empty project and go, right, this is what I'm going to do. And you kind of do it. Did you say you do it live? Is that right, how it works? Oh, like in the call, you mean? Yeah, is that live? Sometimes, it depends. I think uh, it was the, somebody in the call mentioned that they would like to see more of that. Yes, oh, we got I some see, feedback. Okay. Yeah, actually, almost every week I try and have something prepared for the calls and just be like, hey, I'm working on this cool thing. Check out what this cool thing is. And then people usually learn something new because I'm showing off a, my own approach to how I go over certain things. And usually people get a lot out of it in terms of like seeing like another person's approach to it. But yes, that was just feedback to answer your question. I see. But that's good because you've obviously, you know, showing them off in different ways, you've got a lot of variety there, right? So yeah. it's not going to be, like you said, every game's going to be different. So what works for one game might not work for another. We're going to have five or six games up on the Game Audio Training Series that we've done projects for at this point. And we have nine listed out for this current sprint of like FMOD Unity courses that we're working on. But with those courses, like, I think that nine is going to show a lot of variety, especially depending on, like, the complexity of the project. Um, and it just, and it does scale pretty nicely in terms of how easy or how difficult it can be. Like, hat trick, super easy. Rollerball is next mm. after that. And then, like, 2D roguelike. And then it just goes on and on and on in terms of, like, how much more complex it can get. If anybody wants and... to see how much fun it can be to problem solve while you're doing Unity stuff, uh, take a look at Tanks Part 5A. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness the 3d oh. attenuation episode oh my gosh it was that ends in smtp bars and shouting <laughs> yes i actually got mad in one of the videos of the game audio training series uh i was working on tanks and i got mad because if i didn't turn off live update before i went back into edit mode in unity it would crash unity oh naturally i would forget to turn live update off because you're not required to do it usually but so I left it on and it would crash Unity. I'd have to restart. I'd lose a bunch of progress, and like Chris just did like the Spanish like you gotta be beep. and just went into the SMTP color bars and like little Spanish flea with a, a note about how Ryan got tired and had to go back to his home planet. And then I finished it. I've been just made a little quick like eight minute finalizer when he redid it. Well, that whole project it wasn't just that Unity was crashing. It was that every single thing that you did wasn't working. And yeah. it was just that whole video was such a slog for you to do and for me to edit. And it, it you know, I made a cohesive 25 minutes out of it. And yeah, you did a great job. And but it was it was heavy. It was a rough one. And so it's like I, I even though we could have replaced it with the new one, which was, you know, smooth as butter. It was like, well, this thing, I mean, this is part of the process too. throwing things, pulling your hair out like we don't want to make everything seem too easy. 
I think it's really important that people see how awful it can be sometimes to do things like this. It sucks to be vulnerable like that and to like show my angry side or like be upset or anything like that. But at the end of the day, it's like that I, that's real. Like you, yeah. you felt it the other day when you were doing Unity for the game we were working on. Oh, I was so pissed. Anything I could have done. I could have pulled this whole house apart. I was just, it, was, it was the stupidest thing. It was like the only problem was I don't know how to do what I need to do. And Unity is so complicated with this particular project yeah. that I can't just figure it out. I am in a total standstill, and that level of frustration is just the Do you guys rage much? Are you ragers no. developing and playing no, games? I, just, I think Chris is a rager when it comes to game, playing games. Yeah, I am. Well, I, I, have a, I have a real problem with that in Overwatch, but any other time, yeah, I mean, it, historically, I've always been that way, but it also, like, if I have someone else around, if I'm sitting in my house oh, playing a game by myself, I'll scream at it all night long. But if anybody's hanging out with me, it's a lot easier to just chill out and not let it consume you i don't understand why that is and oh and especially like in overwatch 2 if someone else is angrier than me i'm good everything's great if somebody on my team is already shouting i have no it's all it's all them let, let them take care of that rage for everybody and <laughs> i don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird thing but i do have that problem i've always that's suffering for you yes exactly i'm not really much of an angry person i don't think i think that like I think my I think I do get frustrated with things, but I, I think my for the most part I'm pretty cool and collected. Um, I like to think, anyways. At least when I get frustrated, I do. I, I think I do get frustrated a lot. It's just that the level of frustration. It's not super transparent. I think. Right, I, yeah. I think. I don't know. Chris might tell you differently because he listens to all my thoughts and. No, you're really not bad. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to hear though, like other people uh, talk about this kind of stuff because it's mm -hmm. there, there's some depth to it for sure. Yeah, like I don't know. A big part of the editing process for me is to make. To make us all sound like we're geniuses, like there's there's hardly any hesitation, there's no repeating, there's nothing getting wrong, like clean it all up without making it sound like an episode of Dragnet, but there is a certain level of importance to the realism of how frustrating things can be. Because sometimes, especially with like good editing, it can be very easy to lose sight of the fact that it is edited at all. And then you're, you know, you're somebody who's struggling with something and everything that you consume from something you're trying to learn from it's like well this is a breeze you know if it's edited to sound like there's no struggle involved whatsoever for anybody else then it can it can trigger a sort of toxic internal sort of struggle with like well why am i the only one here who's stupid and then you find out later on it's like oh no man we recorded that thing five times because we couldn't figure it out and we practically like murdered each other over this whole process and it's like you cut all that stuff out of things and people don't realize that it was ever there to begin with and they have sort of a, a skewed perspective on how hard something can be to get right that's interesting yeah no you're right um yeah because that and that is going to happen um like you said at the end of the day this is kind of problem solving and yeah there is you can create that kind of disconnect if you're editing editing everything to seem perfect so one might interpret that as Oh, I'm the issue because I can't get this exactly. Issue. Yes, that's kind of going back to uh, the videos I've been making. That's something I kind of want to do is do something a bit more less edited. Originally, I was thinking live, but maybe that wouldn't work. But either way, is do something where I take um, a separate project, just and just kind of try my best to get from A to B and see where it goes. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's never going to be perfect. And but and those moments where you do struggle, they're. Um, you know they're what you learn from and they're also yeah they're like the best feeling moments as well like the amount of times like you come up against the wall and you can't for the life of you work out how this is going to work mm -hmm. and then hours later it clicks and it works and you go <laughs> oh, oh my god and you freak out like they're 
you know, that's a, a nice little moment, but um, mm -hmm. maybe we should share more. Absolutely. It's just, it's part of that, like the initial reaction to being that way is like, well, I need to hide this kind of thing from other people because nobody wants to be frustrated and lose their cool in front of others. But, you know, that the, that's the really important human side of things too, is to be able to do that so that we don't all think, like, I mean, that's, that's the entirety of the society built from the 50s is like, well, everything's perfect. We hide all negativity. We have this polished, everything's, you know, this certain way. And it has obviously caused a lot of problems for a lot of people over this last several decades. But I think that too, like if you were to try to do that live, there's a really important balance between making that stuff known without making it drag on. Like yes, you could do yeah, that live and then you could have just people watch you punch the wall for two and a half hours on something stupid it's even worse if they they've already figured it out and you haven't and they're watching yeah and now they're shouting at their computer because you can't hear them and that is i i hate that stuff and so i just from an editing perspective finding the balance of let's yeah. move this along let's keep it concise but let's also make sure to reflect the frustration in a way where it's like well you express frustration and then you spent 10 minutes of silence staring at this trying to figure out what the solution was going through different screens like nobody wants to see that but you cut that out and leave everything else in a cohesive state it's just kind of fast forwarding and getting rid of the things that don't matter and, and i think that's another thing because if i i didn't have chris to edit it I, i'd probably feel insecure and probably cut mm -hmm. that out yeah and that's of course or or i'd leave it in and it'd go too long like, I, I i don't have like the i'm too close to the puzzle like we talked about right. earlier the yeah i suppose the editing humanizes it it becomes mm -hmm. less robotic do this, this, and this, um, and achieve that. And yeah, you, like you said, you find a balance between, oh, look, these are the struggles and issues we have. You acknowledge them, but also here's a concise and clean way of solving them. That part, that project I've been working on, like I said, Unity's new to me, the coding is new to me, and I had an error that was like, up, oh, you know, close bracket expected line 75, <laughs> character 10. And I went there and I was like, what do you mean? It's right there. I'm looking at it. What? All right, erase. Add, add it maybe it goes down here and i did every variation of that for like like a half an hour and and it wouldn't it just kept changing the line where the problem was and i was like what is this what do you mean it's like the stupidest problem in the whole world <laughs> and i eventually the solution was oh i need three of these on consecutive lines one here one here one here this is horseshit this is the stupidest thing of all time and it's like nobody wants to see me beat my head against a wall over a problem that simple. <laughs> yeah, but, but if it's something like- It's still nice to tell people it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. You want you want to convey your frustration and how much you've, how the pain you've gone through. Yeah. But you don't want them to actually experience it. Yeah, I don't want other people to lose as much time to this as I did yeah. when they don't have oh. to. <laughs> the worst issue I think I've had using like, you know, or just implementing in general, uh, is where you set your code up, right? You've got it all set up. Um, you've done it a million times. You know it should work. And you've, in you know, my case, obviously, I'm trying to get a uh, an event from FBOD to play inside Unity, right, in a certain way. And this ha this has happened to me w one time in particular where I, you know, it really, really crippled me. But I set my code up, um, and it wasn't working. It wasn't playing back the audio. At the same time, I wasn't getting any errors, so I had no clue as to why. And I just went over everything I knew multiple times. I was at this for hours and I could not figure out what it was. Mm. Um, and in the end, it turns out that the error was, 
I'd simply misspelled. Oh god. So you know how um, in F mode, Ryan, you know, um, you use the name of your event, the event path, and you can look put that up into Unity by writing that in the code. So kind of one shot, you'd write event forward slash yeah. uh, ambience. Let's say the event's called ambience. I spelled like I'd spell ambience wrong. So obviously that wasn't giving me an error because it was just string data. Yeah. So I was like losing it. And because it was a long word anyway, I didn't notice it. So, oh my God, the amount of time. And then when you realize the, the issue, you feel like the biggest idiot because it was something really simple. That happens to the best programmers yes. too. That yeah, happens to the best all programmers the all the time. That's not like a, that, that's that's not a crazy thing to do. Like there people, People have these crappy workarounds all of the time, or these just these small things that they mm -hmm. forgot. I I have a buddy that uh, he, he's the best programmer in in Orlando as far as I'm concerned, and he's I'll do like a game jam or work on games with him, and he'll just he'll be really he'll spend a lot of time figuring out an issue, and it'll be a bracket like that's all it'll be. Sometimes it, uh, it just happens that way. Yep, and it reminds me I have a friend who is an app dev, and we were talking about some of the newer initiatives to like move people like, oh, we got a bunch of out of work coal miners and we'll move them into this program to teach them how to code and then they can go do JavaScript or whatever happens. And we were talking about the potential dangers of that when you're dealing with coding because the smaller the mistake, the longer it'll take to cause a catastrophic problem, like huge mistakes, you know, you've got an error right away, something doesn't work, the end. But if you've got something really small where everything works, but incrementally over the course of five years it eventually snowballs into a huge problem and the tiniest problems are the ones that that you have to worry about the most for reasons like that where you get 10 years into a, a cycle of a software and suddenly this one little thing has caused i don't know kind of like an office space where they're like well we've got this little tiny thing that was supposed to collect halves of cents over the course of a certain amount of time and the next day there's 250 grand missing from this account it's like it's like that kind of thing where you don't notice the problem, but it happens on the scale that can only exist when you have a hundred thousand people using it all day long for something. And then it's like, well, now we've got a problem that is the size of a, a, a fishing line, not as big as a baseball. Where in the world do we even start trying to figure out where this came from? Yeah, yeah I suppose that's how you. That's where bugs come from, mm -hmm. and, and you hear from you know coders who've had to set up massive games how those little errors. The problem is they're also tied to because, like you said, they've gone back. You know, they made that error like years ago. That error is also tied to all mm -hmm. sorts of different systems. And if you change it, even if you technically fix the error, you're going to affect all these other systems. That breaks the whole thing. It could create, you know, even more yes. problems. Yeah, there, there's a whole element to like, and whole strategy to coding where you have to break things down and as simply as possible into compartmentalized areas that stand alone without any assistance from other things. Mm -hmm. It's a pain when it's not that way. <laughs> when you when you pick up a game and you're working on it and, yeah. it and it's not how you want it to be. I think that's why audio implementation kind of appeals to me a bit. Because you've got that, when it comes to creating sounds, it's obviously very creative and very, there's no royal rules. But when it comes to code, it's very, uh, it's more strict. You've got a bit of a balance there, I suppose. It's more problem solving. Mm -hmm. You're using specific tools to accomplish a specific thing with audio both the goal and the method to reach the goal is a bit more open and creative. So it's a nice yeah. kind of interesting balance between doing both of them. Yeah, I agree. That's really cool. Anywho, uh, I mean, I'm down to like chill with chat for a little bit if you guys are, um, just for like another five minutes after this. But thanks for listening, everybody. If you do want to listen to this podcast live, come to the Blipsounds YouTube channel. We stream every Wednesday at 
2 p.m. usually, unless we have a guest and they need another time. You know, it's kind of just its own thing. And Henry, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a lot of fun. No, honestly, thanks. Thanks for having me. Chris, lovely to uh, meet you and learn your yeah, story. Brian, thanks again for uh, having me. Uh, sure. This is my first podcast. It's really fun, turns out. Oh, congrats. <laughs> nice. Would you like to plug anything or anything that you're doing? Or? Um, sure, yeah, if you don't mind. Um, sure. So, yeah, if you guys like messing around with FMOD, but you get occasionally stuck trying to implement it into unity or you feel like you kind of want a better understanding of just how audio makes it from your middleware or even your door into a game to you know hopefully boost your skill sets for when working on bigger projects yeah no my youtube channel scottgamesounds.com we do a lot of talking about that not only do we have fun making sounds every now and then but we also kind of dive into the code uh and it's uh, seems to be going down pretty well lots of people enjoying it so if you need um yeah if you feel like you want to learn one or two more things with fmod and unity check it out scottgamesounds.com i'll be waiting <laughs> he'll be watching you through the virtual cyberspace that is the world wide web i'll be i'll be waiting there with my arms out wide ready to give you a big fat hug oh, absolutely so yeah, go check out Scott Game Sounds, and I'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye! Chris and I are in a feud where we hate each other, and we want to just make things as hard as possible for each other, so we make blip sounds fail and, uh, and crash and burn into the ground. I'm starting to get the impression, Ryan, that that's what you do with everyone you work with. You're like, <laughs> oh, ow, wow, I was, I was making a joke. Only because you said earlier, you said um, when I'm working with an animator, I want them to work for it. I really try and, oh, I give them, a, I give them a sound that's really tricky, and it's just gone. Yeah, when Mike's editing, I really make him work for it. I mean, hey, I guess that works. For I was you. gonna, well, I was gonna say, as the person who has to edit everything Ryan says, I promise you, my job's harder than his. <laughs> That's true. And you do keep calling me Mike, which I find very funny. <laughs> My name's Chris. Yeah. me. Oh, yeah, that's because I'm reading it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can fix it in post. <laughs> you just say Chris a few times if you don't mind, Henry. Chris. 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 <laughs> that's, it. that's perfect with the cadence of everything you've said so far. <laughs> oh, man, just... just... There you go. There's a few yeah, 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 all those were amazing. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> you think that's not going in there somewhere, I promise you.